This is David Griffith, editor of Police Magazine. As we approach the 20th anniversary of 9-11, police is conducting a series of special podcasts with law enforcement officers who experienced that horrible day in person. My first guest is John Adler. John is not only the former president of the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, FLEOA, he served as director of the Bureau of Justice Assistance from 2017 to 2019. On 9-11, John was Chief Firearms and Tactical Training Officer for the U.S. Attorney's Office, Southern District of New York. His offices were very near the World Trade Center. In our third and final discussion with John, we will talk about his time as President of FLEOA and his work on behalf of 9-11 first responders. John, thank you for your time today. My pleasure, David. You served as president of the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association. How did your experiences on 9-11 affect your priorities in that position? It made everything that happened afterwards personal, having gone through it, although I, I in dealing with the various issues that, that arose subsequent to 9-11, I tried to distance myself, certainly in the pronoun use, and, and not make it about me and my experience but about all those who may have had even a more severe sequence of experiences on 9-11. And I was really driven, not for my own personal wellness, which I normally set aside for better or worse, but to protect those, you know, my brave brothers and sisters who ran forward and stayed there, you know, in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks. And knowing early on that we were exposed to a variety of toxins that would probably revisit us years later. David, as you're aware, as your viewers and guests are aware, we did not have the requisite protective gear to work in that environment. And truthfully, at the time, we didn't care. It didn't matter. But we all had a sense that later on, the medical issues that would, that would have arisen from the sustained exposure would come back to haunt us. So in my role as president of FLEOA, I worked with the NYPD unions in advocating for the bill that was known as the James Zadroga Health and Compensation Act of 2010. And what that bill called for was the establishment of the World Trade Health Center program, which would provide screening and treatment for first responders, and the Victims' Compensation Fund, which would allow those impacted, uh, those first responders and others impacted on 9-11 to file claims, financial claims for financial damages that they incurred as a result to their engagement uh, with 9-11 and days after. Fortunately, you know, through sustained advocacy, that ultimately passed into law. The only shortfall to the bill which was very difficult to get past, was that it only funded these programs until 2015. So it required us to re-engage later and get the 2015 reauthorization passed, which we ultimately did. What specifically was your role in getting the James Zadroga Act uh, passed? Uh, I mentioned working closely with the leaders of the NYPD unions. We as a group, went to Capitol Hill, and we met with the congressional folks who sat on the subcommittee where the bill was first introduced and assigned, and then ultimately met with staff 
uh, congressional representatives, uh, even senators and their staff as well, advocating for the co-sponsorship of this very important piece of legislation. And David, like anything else, 9-11 became a political football. And you know we really wanted to appeal to those congressional members who ordinarily support law enforcement to set aside any political adversarial views and think beyond that and see who the real beneficiaries are of this legislation. And I think we played a pivotal role in convincing those who would otherwise not necessarily support the bill because of what the opposing party wanted to put in it. And we were able to get them to compromise, set aside their political differences and get this bill passed. What was the greatest obstacle you and the other supporters of the Zadruga bill and the renewal bill faced in getting it passed? Well, one thing immediately comes to mind, David, and that is that 9-11 was seen as a geographically isolated incident. And what I mean by that is we've heard from congressional staff express the sentiment that, well, we respect what you went through. We respect your service. But that was primarily a New York, maybe D.C., maybe Shanksville, quote unquote, problem but it doesn't really impact the congressman, congresswoman, or senator's constituents. And it's that sort of sentiment can easily trigger PTS. Uh, I had one particular meeting myself and my teammates from the NYPD unions were sitting in the office with a staffer who said, well, I want you to know that the senator or the congresswoman doesn't oppose the bill, and certainly, you know, supports the great work that you all do. But truthfully, it doesn't really impact her constituents. And fortunately, in every congressional office is an American flag. And I flew out of my seat and went right to the flag, pointed to the stars and gave a political science 101 lesson, which I shouldn't have had to, to this very well-educated staff person, that there are 50 stars on the flag and when you attack one star, you attack them all. It's one flag, one fight, one country, one democracy. And also the add-on piece is that people traveled in to support the first responders from New York. They traveled in from other locations. Since that time, people have transferred to other jobs or have retired and relocated. So this notion that it was just a New York isolated problem for the most part, is offensive or was offensive and profoundly ignorant. But in spite of that, we did prevail. We overcame that obstacle. And with the help, I mean, several people, it wasn't just us, you know, the unions helped out. John Stewart was of, of big help and many others. But, it, but we were ultimately able to get past this ridiculous, ignorant notion that it was an isolated New York problem. It's now been 20 years since 9-11. What should law enforcement officers who were not in New York City or Washington, D.C. that day, and maybe those who were not old enough to even be on the job at the time, remember about the attacks? The attacks occurred not by written invitation, not by calendar schedule. We had no idea. And I, I think the lesson for the younger generations is that be prepared, be ready. Don't take any of our liberties or freedoms for granted. The challenges you face 
at the beginning of your tour, maybe beyond what you're normally accustomed to. And in terms of the freedoms, you know, the challenges also are that if we forget, we ultimately reduce and diminish the freedoms that all Americans enjoy. And the costs associated with 9-11 were profound. In terms of dollars, over $2 trillion was estimated in, in, in calculating the damage, the number of lives lost and how that impacted so many families, immeasurable. And the one thing, David, I say from the heart is that tomorrow's freedoms are promised to no one. And as much as we love our Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, those are two sacred pieces of parchment that don't provide our freedoms. They provide the promise, but they only provide the promise based on the service of law enforcement officers and other first responders who are willing to embrace risk to protect and defend our democracies, protect and defend our fellow Americans, and make sure we can sustain those wonderful freedoms inscribed on those sacred parchments. But it really falls on you, you, the current working generation of American law enforcement offices, to sustain those freedoms. And even if things seem to be against you, even if you seem to be unappreciated, always look proud in the mirror because you are the ones, you are the legs and the foundation sustaining the meaning in those sacred parchments that bring the freedoms that all Americans joy. Thank you, John.